morning, everybody. Welcome once again to our Sunday morning time together here at the Digital Cathedral. Hope you've had a good week, a strong week, and you've been uh, able to go back and look at some of the teachings we have done in this series, You Are Creator. Now, what I want to do this morning, I want to hit, this is the fifth, fifth message in this series. What I want to do this morning is look at the fourth connector, fourth spiritual connector that you have, that you fully possess, and you utilize that connects you with the seen, with the unseen, with the visible, with the invisible. And the one we're going to look at this morning is a little bit unique because it finally uh, brings into a dimension of the seen where the other connectors that we've talked about remain in the unseen. But today we're going to break the ice a little bit. We're going to talk about something that is on a little bit different level than the other connectors that we're talking about. So in the creative process, there is available to you this fourth connector, and I think it ties, the way I've experienced it is this, it ties the other three connectors and it brings uh, an agreement to the thoughts, the imaginations, and what's in the heart. And I'm talking today about the utilization of the words that you speak. You cannot see words. You can't see the words that I'm speaking. You can hear them. So this is the connector you can see the results of words. So this is going to be the spiritual connector that begins to break the ice to move from what you can't see to what you can see. I think it's I think it's worth noting that every time God created or before God ever did anything, he always said it. I want to run you through a few verses in Genesis that maybe you haven't realized before, but whenever God went into a creative process, he always said before he acted. Uh, there's a scripture and I didn't take time to look it up. I don't know the address of it, but the scripture says that before God does anything, he tells it to his prophets. So there he speaks, he tells his prophets, he verbalizes it. Now watch, watch this in Genesis chapter one. This is pretty interesting when you think about uh, the God of the universe, the great I am that I am. He does nothing but what he first says it, first tells it to his prophets, or even more fundamental than that, at the very beginning of creation, he always said before he created. In Genesis chapter 1, I'm not going to take time to read all the verses. I just want to hit the God said part. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, then God said, let there be light. That's verse 3. Verse 6, then God said, let there be firmament. Verse 9, then God said, uh, let the waters then verse 11, then God said, let the earth. And then we come to verse 14, then God said, let there be light. Verse 20, then God said, let the waters abound. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Then verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. Okay, so I counted it up and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine times in that first chapter, the chapter of creation, that before God ever created anything, God spoke, God said. So here's what words are designed to do. Words are designed to seal the deal. Words are designed to, to bring a finality to the creation. Uh, God always said before he created. And I'm gonna tell you that the words that you speak are extremely important in this creative process. Now, if you are new this morning to the Digital Cathedral, you have not been following me in this series, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to the first four 
teachings. Because without the first four, just verbalizing, and many have tried just to verbalize or speak things into existence, it's rather empty, it's rather powerless. So I want you to go back and listen to the first four sessions that we did on this. The words that you speak are gonna do one of two things. They're either gonna create or they're going to destroy. The words that you speak will either bring life or they'll bring death. Again, I wanna give you a passage of scripture from Luke chapter six that I don't want you to ever forget. This is an extremely important passage for those of us that are entering into this dimension of creating the reality that we live in. And just while you're turning over there, let, let, let me just remind you that we are co-creators with God. I am, I am not source, I am not God, but I'll tell you what, I am learning to be very proficient in creating the reality that I want to live in. And I'm now seeking the Father and saying, Lord, how do, you, how do I help other people? How can I speak on their behalf and create the reality that they want to live in? Because I see so many people in a mess. They're sick, they're broke, they're discouraged, they're upset, they're disillusioned. So many different things in life going on. I want to be like Jesus and be able to change the course, not just of my life, but I think it's imperative that I learn first to do it for me, become very proficient at it for me, before I, I attempt to change the course of somebody else's life. Sometimes people don't know what they want. Sometimes people really have no clue what, what's good for them until they begin to see a, a, a crack take place. And once the light begins to flow in, then they desire more. So I, I think it's the job of you and me as a creator, not only to produce the abundant life for us that Jesus promised that we could have, that so many are falling short on, before we attempt to create an abundant life for somebody else. But I know that's possible. I know that I know that I know that that's possible. All right, here's a verse of scripture, a couple of verses of scripture that I don't want you to ever forget as we learn to create. It takes into account the words that we speak. Luke chapter six, and let me pick it up with verse 43, and I'm gonna read verse 43, 44, and 45. Jesus said, for a good tree, now I've taught you uh, before here at the Digital Cathedral that generally when the Bible talks about trees, it's not talking about maple trees or pine trees or oak trees. It's talking about people. It's just a symbology, a metaphor for people. So when, in verse 43, and he's gonna tie it up in verse 45, but he's already talking about people. So hear it with that ear. Verse 43, for a, for a good tree or a good person does not bear bad fruit. It's impossible. And we're, we're gonna see why this morning. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree, verse 44, every tree, every person is known by its fruit or what it produces, what it creates. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. Now watch verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good fruit. An evil man out of the evil treasure or the abundance of his heart brings forth evil fruit. For out of the abundance, listen, for out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. Now, last week, we spent the entire session on the heart. If you remember that, we spent the whole session on the heart. And what he's telling us, what Jesus is telling us in this passage is that what the heart has grown in abundance, the mouth will release automatically. Automatically. The job of the heart is to grow. The job of the heart is to mature the creation that has been fed from the imagination. Remember the process? Everything begins with a thought. 
moves to imagination, into the heart. And when the heart has grown it into abundance, the mouth brings it forth with the words that it speaks. If words are contrary to the abundance of the heart, then the creation is aborted. Let me say that again. This is why words are such an intricate part of this creative process. If the words that we speak are contrary to what the heart has grown in abundance, then the creation is aborted. All right, let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18. I tell you what, when this series is over, you're not going to be the same person because you're going to be creating your reality and the life that you desire. Proverbs, let me get back over here to Proverbs. We're on words this morning. Words are so important, vitally important. This is probably the one uh, connector that we've heard more about over the years, mainly due to the Word of Faith people and their, their uh, teaching on confession. And there's a the real strong uh, truth in what they taught, but it lacked the substance of the abundance of the heart, the imagination, and the thought. Uh, in the confession movement, and I was in that Word of Faith movement for 20 years. So it was the furthest we knew. It pushed the envelope the farthest at that time. Now we're going further with it. But all we really knew was to grab a verse and confess it. Get something that was a promise from God's Word. Stand on the promise and just keep saying the verse over and over and over and over and over. But it did not lack power. It, didn't, it, it lacked the oomph to bring the creation into reality. And now we're learning, we're taking this the next step and we're learning what we were missing. All right, where are we at here? Proverbs chapter 18. Let me flip over there. Forgot to talk to you and forgot to get over to Proverbs chapter 18. And let me pick it up in verse 19. Proverbs chapter 18, let's go down to verse 20. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now you heard that a lot in your word of faith days, but there's truth there. Death and life are power are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those that love it will eat its fruit. So in verse 20, in verse 20 of Proverbs chapter 18, uh, Verse 20 of Proverbs chapter 18, he says that a man's stomach is satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And I'll tell you what satisfies my stomach. A good steak, baked potato, and a salad. That's my favorite meal right there. Give me a good steak, a baked potato, and a salad. And you want my tummy satisfied. It's happy. It's filled. And that food that I take in, that steak, that baked potato, and that salad, you know what it does? It supplies my body with the vitamins, with the proteins, with the minerals, with the nutrients, the amino acids, everything my body needs to stay healthy is provided and I'm satisfied with the, with the fruit that I eat, with the food that I eat, all right? So the words that we speak, what he's saying in Proverbs is that the words that we speak should produce the same results for us spiritually. It, they should be satisfying. The results that the words produce should make us happy. But really, it's your call. It's your decision. The Father puts, puts it into your hands. See, you, you can produce life or you can produce death with your words. No matter what the thought has been, what the imagination has uh, created and developed, and what the heart has grown in abundance, if we screw up the words, if we speak words of death, 
when our heart is producing life, then you know what? The fruit is not going to be good. So this lesson this morning on the words that we speak is, is imperative. It's, it, it's important. We have to grab this. And I want you to become very much aware of the words that you're speaking. Not, not legalistically, not to bring condemnation or doubt. If you, know, you, you hit your thumb with a hammer and you say some words you don't want to say. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in this creative process, the words that you speak are extremely important because he says in verse 21, verse 21 of, uh, of Proverbs 18, he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it, those who speak good words, he said, they're going to be satisfied by it. It's, it's going to produce the thing that they want to produce. So that creative power through the words that you speak is at your disposal. So here's the choice you have to make. You've come through the whole process, the thought, the imagination, the abundance of the heart. Here's, here's the decision. Do you want to birth what has grown into your heart into abundance and produce life? Or do you want to board it and produce death? Do you want to bring death to the creation that you have brought to this point of being birthed? Words have a specific purpose. The words that you speak have a specific purpose. They have a target in the creative process. Every word that God said in Genesis 1 had a purpose. It, had, it, it was specific. It, it had a focused intention. On the, on the first day, God didn't say, let us make man. First day, God had, had a creative progression. So that what he said the first day was not the same that he said the sixth day. What he said had a focused intention. That's why I want to drive that point home to you because when, when your heart is filled in abundance, then what you speak should have a focused attention that comes into agreement with the abundance of the heart. So here's the, here's the thing. The purpose of the words that you speak, when we're talking about being a creator, that's what this series is about. The purpose of the words that you speak as you create should release the abundance of the heart that you have grown in its fullness. It is now mature. It is now ready to be birthed. The abundance of the heart. Hi, somebody messaged me this week. Great question. Said, how do you know when your heart is overflowing in abundance? I'll tell you how I know. And this has happened. Every time that I have, have created something that was um, in, my, in my life, for my reality, every time that I've created something, I caught this in the heart and I kind of stumbled into it on the beginning, but I noticed that there was a point in time that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that it was going to happen. I knew that I knew that I possessed it. It wasn't visible yet, but I, I thought, now how, where is that coming from? I'll tell you where it's coming from. It's coming from the abundance of the heart and the mouth should not speak until the heart, until you're in a place in this creative process that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that this thing is going to happen. It is real. You possess it and it belongs to you. You feel the birth pangs in the heart. The heart has brought this thing and moved it into the birth canal. And so what words do, words release the birth pangs, the, the, the pain of the birth. You've come through the whole process. So what words do is they, they bring the creation. Uh, I, 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 let me say it like this. Our words are the delivery room. That's a good way to say it. Our words are when this thing is actually birthed. I remember watching uh, watching my a couple of my grandchildren be born, and uh, the doctor that delivered them was a member of the church, my church. 
So when they were ready to be born, he called me. I was in his office when he said, come on, I want you to see this. I had never seen a baby born. Went down there and the nurses had done the, all the work. And all he did the last second was to catch the baby. But he did, did the delivery, right? So that's how words are. Words take you into the delivery room. And when the baby is birthed, the words create the atmosphere for, you, for words to just catch the baby when it's born. They bring, words bring into the earthly realm what to this point has only been in a dimension of the unseen, the unheard. You, 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 you can't see words. They're invisible like the other connectors, but there is a difference between words and thoughts, imaginations, and function of the heart. Here's the difference. Words bring a sound into the earth. Words bring a frequency into the earth that heretofore had not been present in this creative process. That's what words do. Words bring, now we're starting to move this into another dimension. Words bring a sound, they bring a, a frequency into the seen realm or the sense realm that brings clarity. It, it, we begin to voice the clarity of what the, the heart has grown in abundance and, and what has been fed into the womb by the imagination. It now, the words now define it where we can hear it. So it's, and I hope I'm really explaining this well because words now begin to switch the dimension. Words now prepare it to manifest. Now watch, watch, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. I love teaching this stuff because it's life-changing. This will move your life uh, into some areas that you have tried all of your life to produce through prayer. And I'm not against prayer, but prayer for me has become simply a running conversation all day long with the Father. We have a relationship. No longer do I ask for anything. I honestly don't. That started a few years ago when I understood that my prayer life was just communion with the Father, back and forth talk. Now that I've begun to see this whole thing of creation, I understand that I don't have to pray for my needs. I can create the needs with him as a co-creator. He's already created everything I need. Remember 2 Peter 1.3? He's already created everything that I need for life and godliness. He's my co-creator. He's already made it so there. Now I'm bringing it so here. We're working together in a cooperative effort to meet the needs and the desires of my heart. Okay, so words words now bring this thing into a frequency, brings it, it in, into a, a vibration. It, sh, it begins to uh, materialize what has been in the womb. So it says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 24, Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except uh, by Beelzebub. And I don't think that's what I was really looking for. Let me just see here. When the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by, oh, 34. That's 10 verses off. I've done that before when I was pastoring. That is a, believe me, that's the preacher's worst nightmare is to say a scripture, go to the scripture, and it ain't the one you planned on. <laughs> I got it here. Here we go. Jesus said, you brood of vipers. This is gentle Jesus talking here. He said, you brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? All right, here's what I want you to see out of that scripture. If your words are not expressing what you desire, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, for some reason, you have spoken in a way that is contrary to what you desire, then you know what you need to do? You need to put that creation back in the oven. You need to put it back in the crock pot. You need to let it mature a little bit. You need to let it grow until you overflow with the knowing that you know, that you know, that you know, then speak. Because words should express what the heart is convinced of. So if you're prematurely speaking before your heart is convinced, then you're going to lack the oomph to bring this thing into reality. It's, it, it's the speech of fulfilled desire. Does that make sense? If It's the speech of the completion. So if you don't desire it, don't speak it. That's another whole message. If you don't desire it, don't speak it. Life is released when the heart and the mouth agree. The heart and the mouth are very close in relationship. Just like thoughts and imaginations are, are tightly wound, they're functions of the mind, thoughts and imaginations. And in much the same way, the heart and words are closely associated. I like to make the distinction of those four because when I'm, when I'm in a creative mood and I'm, I'm thinking of what I need at that time, I see the, the, the process. I see the steps that are taken. So for me, it's important. Now, as you get into this, you may not want to keep them separate. You may just, this becomes such second nature that you just flow right through it. I think that's how Jesus functioned. Jesus probably wasn't aware of this, but we're starting to take baby steps. We're, we're learning to create. We're learning to do this. So what words do is this. Words break into the sense realm what had been to this point un, unseen uh, and not visible. There'd been no, no frequency, no vibration to it. Man is the only creation that can bring agreement to his heart by the words that he speaks to create. Man is the only, only uh, a member of the kingdom, of, of the cosmos that can do that. The two on earth that need to agree, and Jesus told us that if two on earth agree as touching anything, it shall be done for them. The two on earth that need to agree are your heart and your words. When your heart and your words agree, when they're speaking with the same amount of, of authority, with strength, I'm telling you what, the creation is on the way. The purpose of the words that you release is to do a bind and a loose, and that's Matthew chapter 18, verses um, 18, 19, 20. I'm not going to take time to go read it. But you bring what you desire to create through words or you stop what you want to create with your words. The two on earth, let me say it again, the two on earth that need to agree are your heart and your mouth. You're the earth. If any two on earth, I'm the earth. If any two on earth agree, I'm the earth. Agree. If my heart and my mouth agree, then it says in Matthew chapter 18 verses, uh, I think it's verse 20, that whatever you're speaking, whatever you desire will come to pass. So here's, here's how we align it. When, when thoughts, imaginations, when your heart and your words align, when they're in total agreement, I am that I am is in the midst. Uh, 
I should go over and read that Matthew chapter 18 because there's three or four things in there that I don't want you to miss. So let me let me just hop over there real quick. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Yeah, I haven't lost you yet, have I? 18. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus is speaking, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, Concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. So let me just say it again. The two that need to agree on this earth are my, are my, are my uh, heart, the abundance of my heart, and my mouth. So you bring what you desire to create or you stop it with the words of your mouth. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So you have the ability to, to bring it forth or, or you, can, you can abort it. You can, you can nip it in the bud, as Barney would say. You can set it aside so that it never does appear. Now, he said, if two of if you agree on earth is touching in anything, it shall be done. And he said, wherever two or three of you gather, he said, I'm right in the midst of that whole thing. Now, we've used that, if two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. We've used that as for a church meeting or a prayer meeting, right? Okay, that's fine. You want to use it in that way? That's fine. But I think Jesus was after something deeper and more far-reaching than Sunday morning at church or the Wednesday night Bible study down at the First Baptist Church. I think Jesus is after something deeper than that. I think he's speaking about creating in the seen from the unseen. I think he's in the midst when our thoughts, our imaginations, our heart, and our words totally align. He's in the midst. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, it's the Father that's in me. He doeth the work. So the Father is there in the midst of the agreement and he's doing the work. So the co-creating that takes place comes, our co-part co are the thoughts, the imaginations, the heart and the words. The father's part is to actually do the work. Let me remind you, all the work he does is from a place of rest. We co-create, we speak the release and the father brings it to pass, right? The father is the one that puts the final step from what he created in the invisible to the visible. But to be the co-creator, he needed an agreement of thoughts, imagination, heart, and words. I hope I'm not going too deep, too fast for you this morning. If, if, you're, if you go, man, you're scratching your head, just relax. We will talk more about this as time goes along. This, this will not be the only teaching and lesson that you get out of this. We're not gonna spring off into something else next week or the week after that. We are into something that I think is transformational for our life, our culture, and in the kingdom. And I want to make sure that we thoroughly get this and bring it into practice. Now, what I want to do at the end of next week's teaching is challenge you to test it. Now, you may not be in a position yet to test it because it's not that, it's not that familiar with you. It's like I told you these are tools in a tool bag. Uh, I'm not very good with tools. So if I pull out a wrench and a screwdriver, I, I'm all thumbs. It takes me some work to be able to function and get the job done of what I'm trying to do. I'm not real good with tools. So these tools you gotta become comfortable with. Thoughts, imagination, heart, and words. You need to become very comfortable with them. The power of creation into the visible from the invisible is transported 
by the release of the words that you speak. And I know you uh, know a lot about confessing scripture. You've heard that a lot in church. If you're charismatic, Pentecostal, word of faith background, you've heard about that. But my experience, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, is but my experience is this, that confession lacked power. It lacked results. It lacked manifestation because there was no body, there was no creation in the womb that had grown to abundance. Here's what we did. We just got a promise. And the teaching was this, get a promise from God's word that covers what you want and then stand on the promise and repeat the scripture and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And that was supposed to build faith that would then manifest. But here's the thing. You can't bring a creation out of an empty out of an empty womb. There was nothing in the womb in our word and faith days. There was nothing that had grown to an abundance in our heart. We confessed it so other people would hear it. And by their hearing it and us speaking it out loud, it made us feel like we believed it when we didn't believe it. There was nothing there to believe. There was no creative process that was taking place. We claimed it, but there was no release of thought, imagination, heart, and words. Claim it is a shortcut that never amounted to anything. Claim it never, never manifested. You could claim all day long. You could try to name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. It just didn't work. Now, we were onto something. We were onto something, and we were functioning in everything that we knew in. But now there's light coming that is taking this to another place. So let me share something to you about releasing a creative word like the Father did in Genesis 1 at creation. You've probably never heard this. You know, I'm gonna give you a slant on confessing words, on speaking words that you've never heard before. And I wanna do it out of Psalm 1. I've used Psalm 1 a couple times in this series, but I wanna, I wanna draw something out of here that I never saw till just a short time ago. So I wanna, I wanna make sure that I drive this home because I think this is an extremely important part in this word. Because it's, you know, confessing words or speaking words is this not blabbing it out into the atmosphere. There is a release of this that brings it, it starts to move this into the visible, from the invisible to the seen from the unseen. But the release of words, I think there's a point here that a lot of us have never heard. We've overlooked it. I don't know how we overlooked it, but we did, like so many of the things in the Bible. When we begin to get grace and finish work and unconditional love and saw there was no hell, it's like, man, I'm reading a different Bible. So I'm, I'm still, after 20 years teaching this stuff, I'm still picking up a lot of stuff. If you'd have told me 20 years ago, when I, when I got grace, which is the foundation that all this is built on, that I would be teaching someday on being a creative power in the universe and creating the reality of your life, I would have thought you're crazy. But that's how the spirit of truth unveils. He continually progressively shows us. I wanna pick up something out of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So what he's saying here, he's, he's starting to say, how you position yourself is important. If, if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, if you stand in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful, I can tell you they will abort your creation for you. 
They will tell you it's impossible. They will tell you don't, don't even try it. They'll discourage you and talk you before it ever gets to the imagination step. Just when it's a thought, you share a thought with a friend. I'm really thinking about buying houses and uh, you know renovating them and maybe renting them out. Uh, I think I think I'd like to get into that business. Your friend said, "Don't do that. This is a bad time to get into the market. This is a bad time." They will come up with all kinds of things. Now, what it, what ungodly people are are not necessarily people that you know commit terrible sins. They're just people that don't understand the mind of God and what He's doing. And sinners are people that are missing the mark. So why would we want to enter into counsel with people that don't understand what God's doing and that are missing the mark in their own life? Right? But this guy that is after creating, in verse two it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord or the word of the Lord, the thing that God has spoken to you. And in his word, he meditates day and night. All right, now I'm gonna come back to that word meditate, but here's the end product. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Remember, trees are lives. He shall be like a life. He shall be a life that is planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Great, great creation, great production. His leaf doesn't wither. No death in him, only life springing forth. And whatever he does shall prosper. Now let's, un let's unpack that just a little bit because I think there's something there that we, we really want to get attuned to. I think there's something there we need to grab onto. He says in verse two that his delight is in his thoughts that are centered on the word that the Father has spoken to him. Calls it law in the Old Testament. We know in the New Testament that the law is not 613 commandments of Moses. The law is equated to the word that God speaks. So what our delight in, in is this, and this is where thoughts come from, this is where the imaginations develop, this is where we center, this is where we centered on it. We take the word into the imagination and ponder it and build it into our heart and then we release it with our words. But there's a hidden gem here. There's a hidden gem, right? As it relates to our teaching this morning on releasing words. It says that he shall meditate in it day and night. Now that word meditate, I, I've read that all my life. I, but I never investigate it. Now I, I'm starting to investigate some words that I've always taken for granted. And I found out that some of the words I've taken for granted really aren't what they schooled me and indoctrinated me to believe. The word meditate there is the word um, 1897 in the Strong's Concordance. And Strong's is not that reliable of a concordance. Strong's is very much keyed to the King James Version. So when King James makes it air, Strong's tends to back it up. And I think Strong's did that, sell a lot of concordances. Anyway, another story for another day. But 1897 in Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew means to moan, utter, or speak. Moan, utter, or speak. So <clears throat> let me put this in the light. And in his word, he he's going to moan, utter, or speak. Now, we've never thought about meditation that way. We thought about meditation as a rolling over and over and over in our mind. And I've taught it like a cow chewing its cud. It chews, it chews, it chews, swallows it, brings it back up, chews it. That's like meditating. That's, that's very true. But this, as it's used in this passage, it means to moan, utter, or speak. Now, this is dynamite. This is, and I checked this out. The center reference in my Bible says it actually means talking to yourself. 
Now let me just let me just sit on that baby for just a minute. Talking to yourself. Let's go back to Genesis 1. I ran you through nine times in those first few verses of Genesis, from Genesis 1 down to 26, where God said, and then he, he created. Now, let me ask you something. Who in the heck was God talking to? God said. God said. God said. There's nobody around. It's he and the, and the son and, the, and the, the Christ spirit. The father, the son, and the spirit are, are the ones that are there. And they're all in agreement. They're one and they're in union. So who are they talking to? They're not talking to a crowd of people. There were no people. Let, let, me, let me just um, give you my view. I can't prove it. So if I can't prove it, you don't have to believe it. I believe they were talking to themselves because there's great power in releasing a word when you talk to yourself. The most powerful form of releasing words is in the form of self talk. I never saw this. Never saw this. But I know we all talk to ourselves. We all form words inwardly and we speak them. Let me give you an example. Have you ever had a conflict with somebody? Maybe maybe um, you have a run-in at work with a co-worker or with your boss or with a family member. You know, Thanksgiving dinner, there's always the crazy guy. So you, you just had a run-in with them. And after the running is over, you, you think about it and you're, you're going, man, I wished I would have said this. And all these thoughts and these words come up within you. Man, if I would have said that, I would have checkmated him. If I would have just uttered that and you're talking to yourself, you're carrying this conversation on with yourself all day long about, whoa, if I would have just said that, that would have ended the argument. I would have won this thing. They would have saw how right I am and how wrong they are. You're, you're, you're carrying this on all day long. We've all done this. We've all done this. Releasing the abundance of the heart through self-talk. You know what it does? It builds your faith. It strengthens you. It establishes you. It heightens your level of expectancy. When you, sit, when you had that run-in with, with Uncle Billy Bob, and later you thought, and you're saying to yourself, man, if I would have said this, if I would have said this, and you're driving home in a car and you're going, oh boy, if I would have thought about that, Billy Bob would have been hemmed in. See, you know what you've done? The longer you do that, the more convinced that you are right and Uncle Billy Bob was all jacked up and wrong. That's the power of self-talk. It brings the convincing. It seals the deal. It makes it so that you know that you know that you know that you know. So here's what you want to do. You want to match your self-talk to agree with the desire of your heart in its completed form. The abundance of the heart has this has has it fully formed, has the baby fully formed. It's got its arms, its legs, two ears, two eyes, a mouth, a nose. It's it's functioning, it has a liver, kidney. You understand I'm speaking metaphorically here, but the thing that you want to create in the heart when it is in abundance, you know that you know that you know it's ready to be birthed. You possess it. So you self-talk it. I did this, I wasn't realizing it. When I came through the things that I've come through in creating, I was always self-taught when, when it was with my heart. And I may say more about this at another time. Some of you heard my testimony on that, that I actually grew uh, an artery around the blockage of my heart. I did a self-bypass. and it, But there was that time that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was doing that. I came through this process. It's probably the first time I really worked it, where it started with a thought 
I didn't pray about it, didn't call the prayer chain. I just said, I know that I know that I know that this heart of mine is gonna to function to the perfection that God created it to function and I forbid any malfunction in the name of Jesus. That was a thought. I got a picture off the internet of a heart and I would look at it, imagine that's my heart. See how well the, everything flows. Right? I'm, I won't say anything more about that, but the day that I knew that I knew that I knew I was okay, I was talking to myself about it. Like, man, I got this, this is good. I know that I'm all right. I hadn't told anybody. Now, later on, maybe a week or so, I went on to Secret Place on Wednesday night and shared with them what I, what I felt. And then when I had a confirmation from the doctor, I confirmed it with them. But it was all through self-talk. And the more I self-talked, the more confident, the more bold I was. Uh, I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell my kids. I didn't tell anybody at the church. I didn't tell anybody. I kept it within me because I, I didn't want an, an opinion. I didn't want somebody to tell me what they were thinking or what they thought or was it right or was it wrong. Self-talk is all over the scriptures. Once you see it, you find it in a lot of different places. Uh, for example, uh, it, man, when words are so important in scripture and some have been, I don't know why they have been taken out of, out of order or wrong definition, used wrongly. But like this one here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's the New King James. Speaking to one another. Now, the New King, the, the King James and several other versions, including the Young's Literal, got it right. It says, speaking to yourself self-talking, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's the right, that's the, but see, it brings it in another context where the New King James says, speaking to one another, you know, that's what we've done. We, we've blabbed it to other people. But the King James, Young's Literal, several other translations, I went over to Bible Hub and looked at a lot of translations. Most, uh, most of them had it like New King James because it seemed, nobody knew about self-talk. Nobody knew about self-talk, but what King James and Young's literal and some of the other translations are saying is self-talk yourself in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, right? Speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Speaking to yourself. Speaking. Do you, do you remember when David in the Old Testament at Ziklag, when um, David and the warriors came back in the... Uh, enemy had taken everything, taken their wives and their children and all of their possessions. And David's men were going to stone David. Yeah, they're going to kill a guy. They, they blamed David for what had taken place. And the scripture says that David encouraged himself. You know how he did that? He talked to himself. I think he developed that as a shepherd out in the field. Never run other people around. So when David was making up, making songs and playing the harp, doing whatever he did out there, it was all about him feeding and meditating and building himself up. There is a release of creative power. I'm telling you, there's a release of creative power when you self-talk. David learned it. I think Jesus exercised it. Paul exercised it. And we've, we're learning now that we can exercise it. Self-talk that is in agreement with your heart lifts you above the five senses. It, loved, it lifts you above those things that would like to abort to creation. See, I can, I can speak to myself and not worry 
about what somebody else is going to say. I'm not trying to please somebody else. Or, Man, if this thing doesn't work, what are they going to think of me? I've already blabbed it all over the place. Don't do that. Keep it to yourself and self-talk it. Now, when it shows up, people are going to see it. People are going to say, how in the world did you get that, that job? How, how did you ever get that, that house? Um, how, are, how are you making, you're living way different than you used to live. What, what's going on? Then, then it enables you to give a testimony and be able to help people. But I'm telling you what, you take what I'm teaching, you'll blab it to people, this creative process. They're not going to get it. I had a lady this week on Facebook said, well, I shared that stuff with somebody else and they wanted to know, it sounded like a, you're just being selfish. Look, there's enough of the abundant life. There's enough money. There's enough car, there for everybody in the world. He's already created it. But if I'm telling you what, you go blab stuff to people. They're not ready to hear it because you're not ready to share it. You're not manifesting it. You're not bringing it to light. You ain't producing nothing. You don't have the right yet to, to speak to somebody about it. I was doing this before I ever put a series together and began to talk about the power of I am. And I'm still getting light and revelation on it. I am seeing things right now that I'm not sharing. I'm not sharing because I want it to work first. The day of just having theory, the day of just having a revelatory word, those days are done, guys. It's time for the manifestation of the sons of God. And the manifestation of the sons of God are people that can talk, that can produce what they're talking about. The day is over of just blabbing. The day is here to manifest, to produce. Self-talk in agreement with your heart pulls you above the five senses. The five senses are in the realm of the visible. And let me take you back to what we were teaching at the very beginning. If you're going to be a creator, then the very first decision you have to make is 2 Corinthians 4.18. You cannot look at what you see. You cannot look at what you see. You look at what you don't see. You look with the eyes of the Spirit at what you don't see. So this whole thing is an inward work. Self-talking builds you up internally. You build yourself up in your faith. See, some of you speaking in tongues for that. That's what speaking in tongues is in prayer. It's, it's self-edification, self-building. But I'm telling you, you can do this with English or whatever your language is. You can do the same thing and build yourself up in this, in this area of creation, knowing that what your womb has produced in abundance, you're ready to release with words. And you release it with words, not by telling everybody, not by getting on Facebook and making a post. You wait till it shows. And you self-talk and you build your faith. Listen, words seal the deal. But the words that seal the deal, I think, are the words that you speak to yourself. The running conversation you have with the Father. Those words seal the deal. While the Father in you does the work and the creation appears, then you can begin to talk about it. All right, next week, I think I'm done for today. I've got, gotten as far as I want to go with words. Next Sunday morning, I want to take all this together and bring it together for you. And then I'm going to challenge you at the end of next week to begin to put this to the test. I'm already getting um, testimonies, but I'm not sharing anything because I don't think the time is right yet. I want to put this all together next week and then challenge you to put it to the test and begin to practice it on the level that you can practice it. Now, does it? I'm still learning. You're, I'm sharing with you my life. I'm sharing with you, I'm as transparent as I can be. I told you about my cat, broke its hip. I'm, I'm gonna I'll tell you a failure. 
or when I, it appears a failure. Cat broke its hip. So I, I had the thought that my cat's gonna be good. Cat's gonna be perfect. I put that into my imagination. I could see the cat walking without its limp, without its pain that it was going through. I put that in my heart. I let it grow in abundance. I felt for sure the cat was fine. But you know what? The cat ended up having surgery. So it's recovering now. It's in a crate in a, in a master bedroom. My wife's keeping a close eye on it, giving it some meds, taking care of it. So in that instance, I, don't, I, I didn't really create what I desired to create. So I want you to see that. And, and I, I'm, I'm trying to be honest with you. I've had other things. The latest was my wife had a problem with her knee. She was walking with a cane. I didn't tell her, but I got the thought, my wife's perfect, my wife's whole. And I put that thought in, I imagined it, I could see it, I fed it to my heart. You know what, about four days, and she'd been having trouble for a couple of weeks. Her, her kneecap was popping in and out. She good, she's fine, she's ready to go, right? So that's a good success, that's a creation. That was invisible and now it's visible. So I will share with you as I go along, and I'm anxious for you to share with me. I've already seen some people on the Don Keithley ministry page that are saying that they're manifesting. Some people that are not even part of the digital cathedral, and they, they're hung up on imagination. Imagination is a powerful force in this, and we talked about it, and I'll talk more about it in the days that are ahead. But I think imagination needs its running buddy thoughts to really bring it into clarity. So... We'll talk more. God bless you. I think that's enough for this morning. Thank you for your support, your prayers, being with me. You know what? I really appreciate making this journey with people like you that are outside the box. Your mind is open. Your spirit is open to receive. And we're ready to move forward into even greater dimensions than what we're studying right now. We, we've just scratched the surface on what grace is going to take us to. The best is yet to come. And you and I are going to get there together. God bless you, and thank you for being part of the Digital Cathedral. See you Wednesday night at The Secret Place.